Good morning and God bless you. I believe we're going to give a word this morning from God's word that should be plain and yet profound and powerful. This is our prayer, Heavenly Father, even as we begin to read the scripture, I ask that you would unfold in understanding to our hearts by your spirit, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15, and we'll call today's message, Hearing, But Not Understanding. Hearing, But Not Understanding. Hear now God's word, Luke 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathered, they were gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him here. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil... They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Father, allow this ancient text to have fresh power in our hearts. I know right well that all four types of soil will hear this message. And I pray that some soil would be made alive by you and that some that were in some of these groups would now be in that final group. Let us all be those that Jesus is talking to when he says, He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You ever been looking at something, but it's not really what you thought? Maybe it was at a distance. You thought, hey, 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 it's a friend of yours, and you get close, and it wasn't. A little embarrassing. Or, you know, you're looking at a certain painting, and everybody's going, this is great. And you're like, I, I, I don't get it. Right? Or you're hearing some music, and, you know, you, you turn to the wrong station. You don't understand the language they're speaking. It rocks on. It's pretty good, but you really don't know what's going on. These people are having a good time. 
Has that ever happened to you where you hear something, which is not really what you're hearing, when you are offended at someone and everything sounds like they're trying to tear you down rather than build you up? And all of you should point at me and I point back at you. Because it happens that way, right? The glasses that we're wearing determine how we see, right? Whatever we're listening to, whatever we're listening for, that's what we hear. Come on, baby, I just want to hear a yes. Aw, hallelujah. Isn't that way with God, you know? And then sometimes we think we're hearing something, seeing something, and it's really not. We don't have the full understanding. You know, life is, is funny like that. Just when you feel like you've got something all figured out, you find out that you don't really have it figured out at all. Last week's graduates. <clears throat> I, I mean, you know, they say children are our future, and there never are. It's the adults that are the future. The children are the future when they get there. Right? I, I don't want, I mean, I love my little Vera, my little Olive, and my little Ian and Aaron. And my Pookie. <laughs> but there's only one of them that I would, would trust with running the country right now, and that's the oldest one. Right? There's a reason why you have to be 35 to be the president. And every year that I get older, because I'm many years older than that now, decades, many decades, I think that number needs to be slid, slid up a little bit. The point is, is that we can have an understanding. Uh, we can have one of the children start playing the piano, and they're just playing chopsticks, and it's their first day, and we think, that's wonderful. But if you get any of our regular music leaders doing that, it's like, yay? Right? You're supposed to come into a more full understanding. And spiritually, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to grow, but sometimes we just don't get it. We think we understand everything about something, and we really don't at all. We can see and hear something, but still not know what's really going on. Amen? Right? We just don't get it. The light bulb, is it? it's a question mark. And we want the question mark to go to a light bulb to go to an exclamation point. Has it been that way for you in the Christian life? Things you were questioning, now you're like, you're not questioning them at all. The light is turned on. Let there be light. And then you're like, one thing that you used to be against, now you're for. You're for, now you're against, because you have a fuller understanding. But we rely on our senses a lot, don't we? And our senses don't always tell the whole story. You can see something, but still not really see it. There's more than meets the eye. It's like that eye chart. I was at the eye doctor this and it's like one eye was just blur. The other eye is looking like B's and they were D's. They're looking like T's and they were P's. And, you know, you want to squint, you want to lie, you want to do it, but it's, it's just face the facts. You need glasses, brother. And you can hear something but not really hear it. It sounds like a different language. It could be a different language, Right? And you're getting yelled at, and it's like, well, <laughs> say that in English, please, or say that in Spanish, please. Say that, just don't even say it. Because context will determine that. You know, they get their finger pointing at you, and you're it's like, okay, honey, okay. But sometimes someone can show you something or explain something fully and rightly, but you don't really get it. And so you don't get the full benefit of it that you would if you did get it. Amen? That's an easy setup right there. But this is how it is in the spiritual life. You can see things and hear things and not apply things. You might even start to benefit in some ways. But you never get the full benefit because you lack a fuller understanding. You may get a breakthrough, but then you never seem to follow through. What keeps messing you up? What is holding you back? 
What is it that you don't get? Have you ever wondered that? What is it that you don't get? Now, in this parable, Jesus explains what the trouble is and really what to do about it. Now, in verse 8, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. But then as he explains the parable, everybody hears. He says, He that has ear, let him hear. But then he points out all sorts of people hear the word and still don't get the word. Verse 12, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, all of them heard the word. He says it right there in the text. But not all of them had the lasting benefit from the word. And so it must be that Jesus is pointing to a special kind of hearing. And so as he says in verse 10, some people will see, but not see. They will hear and not really understand. Now when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, he's talking to those who have true spiritual understanding. Those whose ears God has made alive. The others will hear the same things, and they'll still miss the point. The others will hear the same things and will still miss the point. They'll be like the people Apostle Paul describes in 2 Timothy 3, 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. They don't get it. Has it been that way in your spiritual life before? It's like, I don't understand church. I don't don't like the music, blah, 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 blah. And then eventually it's like, ding, right? It's been that way at school or uh, with a tool you're using or something like that, and just boom. So some people don't get it, but some people do. And Jesus is talking to them. And when Jesus says, let him hear, he's about to contrast those who will fall away from the word and those who will persevere in the word, those whose fruit will remain and those whose fruit will not. So now... Let's find out the difference, amen? We want to know that. Now, in verse 11, Jesus plainly says that the seed is the word of God. So he's talking about what happens when people encounter the truth of the Bible. For people who've been saved, 1 Peter 1.23 says it this way, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Amen. This word can be heard in preaching, like right now. Read in the scriptures for yourself, listened to online, seen in a book, conversing with a believer in any number of ways. The seed is spread. People hear the word of God. Maybe it's on a street corner and you're doing that. People hear the word of God. And Jesus says here, something will happen. But what is it? Now, Jesus says it all depends on which group you're in, and he describes four groups. What's going to happen to that word that is sown depends on who you're hanging out with, what's going on. Now, our first group is in verse 12. Again, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. They hear the word. And the word may seem to hit them right in the heart. But as verse 5 says, the seed was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. 
And then Jesus describes this picture. Remember, in these first few verses to verse 8, he's describing in a parable, then he explains it to them. So we'll go where we are, 12, 13, 14, 15, and then go back, right, to 5, 6, 7, and 8. So verse 5 says it was trampled underfoot. The birds ate it. And Jesus explained this picture as pointing to the devil who comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The devil means the accuser. He's the slanderer. Jesus said in John 8, 44, that he is the father of lies. He is a liar. And people believe his lies. They view the word and hear the word with suspicion, and so it never takes root. They don't believe the word, so that word doesn't save them, doesn't deliver them, doesn't heal them, doesn't help them. As 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light or really feeling the heat. Lots of people in the world and even some people in the church are in this first group. And sometimes you can be in that group when you're not generally speaking in that group, but you're hearing a word and you're just mad at me or mad at your wife or mad at life and then you just don't get it even though God's trying, God, tell me what to do. Here's what to do. I don't want to do it. Those church people, you're just preaching mean. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Lots of people are that way. Or they get that way. They get in a funk. The Word of God's not speaking to them. It is speaking to them. They just ain't listening. Hearing but not understanding. The devil gets in and, whoo, takes it away. Just like that. Now, that's the first group. The second group you find in verse 13. Wow. Please be listening, I beg you. Jesus says these people seem to have some growth. There's an immediate feeling. When they hear the word, they receive it with joy. He didn't say that's bad. They feel good about it. And people see them, and they feel good about them. They feel good about it. Woo, I see growth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're happy about God. I am a friend of God. They're all excited. Yay, no problem. He's not saying that's bad. But there's more than meets the eye. What you see is not all there is. And what you feel right now may not be how you feel later. Hello, God talking to you. There seems to be some instant growth, but there is no depth. Jesus said these have no root. They're building their foundation on how it makes them feel. Feelings are great. Feelings are wonderful. Feelings aren't the whole locomotive engine. Most likely they should be the caboose. Truth. Feelings. Jesus says these have no root. So what happens? He says they believe for a while. And in time of testing... Fall away. Very important words. There is, for you, for me, for this word right now, a time of testing. The word in your life will have to go through the proving ground. Guess where the proving ground is? Your heart. Through your life. If that word doesn't get rooted down into your heart, all your feelings will evaporate, and that growth will wither away. Why? Because as Jesus says in verse 6, there is no 
moisture. In other words, there is something missing. And such people may seem to stay true for a while, but eventually they will fall away. The parallel passage in Mark 4 describes what this time of testing is. Mark 4.17, mark it well, says this, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. There it is. Tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. People can seem to make a really good start of their faith. They really like what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're feeling. But some people will not like what's going on with you. They will oppose you. Sometimes people right here in the church, they'll oppose you. They'll give you trouble. Because of what you believe, they will make it hard for you. They will accuse you. They will marginalize you. They will say you're ignorant, that you're a bigot, that you aren't loving, that you're full of hate. Any of that going on? There is a cost to your belief. There will be tension in some of your relationships. You will feel a distance from those who aren't coming closer to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? There will be a distance to those that aren't coming closer to God. You're feeling it. They're just, you know, abrupt with you or whatever it is. You just know it. You're, you know, let's go to church. I, you know, I don't want to turns into I don't do that. Tension. Because people are living the way you know they ought not to live, but you're supposed to still be with them and all that. You're not loving, etc. It might really hurt. And I know I can get an oh me and an amen on that. Jesus talks about it. He says that some people believe for a while or they endure for a while. But the testing comes. The pressure of losing family. Yes, I am saying this out loud. Hear it. The pressure of losing family, friends, fame, fortune, popularity, position, platform, power, prestige, whatever it may be. You feel pressure and it starts to draw you away from God's word and God's people. This is the test. What matters more? It's not that you don't love them, but you love Jesus supremely. That's how you love others sincerely. But they'll say you're not loving them sincerely because you do love Jesus supremely. Or do you? It's not that you're going to be beaten, burdened, bare, and broke. Is are you willing to suffer the loss of all things? As Paul said, that I might win Christ. They start feeling bad about what they used to feel good about. Suddenly God's word doesn't make sense. Suddenly, well, what about Adam's navel? Suddenly, well, the kangaroos. Suddenly this, that, or the other thing. Suddenly they start questioning the Bible. You start to see the results. Again, they used to feel bad about something, now they feel good about something. They used to feel good about something, now they feel bad about something. They're switching teams. Oh, my. They start blaming Christians. They fall away from the faith because it's just easier. Yeah. They may even openly speak against that which they used to speak for. Now, there's been a lot of high-profile, what they call deconstructions. The kids know about them because they're some very big influencers. You may not know their names. I don't need to repeat their names, but there are some that you do know. 
and they seem to be doing great, and then boom, boom, they have all these things, and all I can't because they have LGBT friends or whatever it is. And we're not speaking against all that, but people will put words in your mouth. But they'll say Jesus didn't speak about. Of course, he he did. The point is that this is the explanation for the apostasy and so-called deconstruction among celebrity Christians that's become so visible in recent times. They don't want to lose their platform. I mean, you think peer pressure is hard. What about money pressure, fame pressure? You built this machine, and now you have to watch it be smashed. Some people seem to do a lot for God. They seem very happy in God, but they only believed on the surface level, and they wind up failing the test. There is no question. You will be tested. The question really is, are you rooted? You will be tested. Are you rooted? Are you able to get that moisture? Are you able to get that nourishment? Is there something missing? That's what's happening with these people. And so they have the word. They receive it. They have it with joy. They're staying true for a while. They're enduring through some persecution. But then it gets amped up. And they're not willing to make the sacrifice. So they sacrifice their faith on the altar of success, of popularity, of I don't want to deal with the conflict, right? And so then you pull away. And who is Satan looking for? Those boats that are sailing by themselves. Who are the lions looking for? The sheep or whoever that go off by itself. Don't stop coming to church. (laughs) Let me just say it that way. What are you doing? Jesus is describing you. The time of testing. Are you rooted? Now verse 14 describes this third group. They hear the word, but as they live their life, the world takes precedence over the word. The world takes precedence over the word. Jesus describes these people and what happens to them in vivid terms. In verse 7, Jesus says that thorns grew up with the word and choked it. And here in verse 14, Jesus describes this as the very people themselves being choked. It's as if this earthly life is is choking the spiritual life right out of them. So who or what is choking the life out of them? Jesus said it is the cares and riches and pleasures of life. It doesn't mean that we're going to talk about that. Woe is me, I can never have anything, I'm just nobody. No, 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 no. Don't you misunderstand. Jesus says because of this, though, their fruit does not mature. They might make a lot of noise, but they never grow up. Mark 4.19 says it this way. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Something other than God takes the place at the center of their lives. It's now no longer something that they're desiring. It's something they must have. The word isn't working in their lives because other things crowd out that space. There isn't enough room for the word to work. The cares and riches and pleasures of life speak louder than the word of God. Simply put, these people are idolaters. Hear this. They're more interested in living life to the full than living life for God. But I have to make six figures. No, you do not. 
But I have to provide for my family. Yes, you can. But I have the smarts to be a doctor. Be a doctor. It's just what do you think you have to have other than God? I still have to have money. I still have to. Yes, yes, yes. But is this really about you or your family or God? Which order do you have things in? Think. Jesus is not trying to bash people. He's trying to say, look, this is what happens. You got this word. You believe it. You really get rooted down. You're, you're there. But something else creeps its way in. And before you know it, it's got its hands on your neck and it's choking the life right out of you. Get the picture. Now, I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to tell the truth about it. Life is tough. Everyone has a lot to deal with. Amen? Every, that's why we don't want to talk about it. How you doing? I'm fine. And if you opened up their heart, stuff. And if you talk to them, stuff. I mean, think about it. If it was one of those clouds that appear above your head with all these words in it, I mean, you'd find the one with the least amount of cloud. And you'd come to me and go, oh, okay. <laughs> that's all right. No wonder you want to run away. Am I telling the truth? Jesus says the cares of the world. The cares of the world. He's not saying because you're so worldly. Not necessarily. Perhaps. But everyone has a lot to deal with. But the word is meant to help you deal with the cares of the world. Everyone needs to make money. But the word is supposed to protect you from the deceitfulness of riches. As if they're an end in itself. He told Timothy, a lot of people think that godliness is a means of gain. Now, Jesus said, you'll receive all these things in life because you'll receive a family. Hi. Again, everybody has a lot to deal with, but the Bible is supposed to help you deal with the cares of the world. Everybody needs to make money, but the Word's supposed to protect you from the deceitfulness of riches. Not being rich. Be rich. Give to the church. Give to the missions. You know, have a nice house. Yay, amen, hallelujah. But there's a deception there that makes you think success is maturity, and it is not. Everyone has things they desire, but the Word of God is designed to help you not ever get anything you desire. No. It's designed to help you navigate and steward the desire for other things. The Word of God will work, but sometimes we just don't get it. Now, sometimes people might not realize this. Please. Jesus, help me. Sometimes people might not realize how little space they leave for the Word in their lives. And immediately, you, you, you and your front-runner status, I'm going to just add more to this all you're telling me. No, I am not. People might not, not realize how much space they have for their lives in the Word. They're immersed in the culture, so I'm saying not do that. No, hear and understand. The very thing we're talking about could be happening to you right now. God, help me hold fast the word. Give me patience for it. Let me be tenacious with it. It's precious. But people are immersed in the culture. They marinate their minds with social media. They're saturated with virtual reality, with politics, with any number of things. And the rest of the people they know are even in church. But that's what's having the most effect on them. The word of God is crowded out. I don't have time. You don't need time. You need to make time. 
The point is that instead of the word saturating every part of your life here, it is compartmentalized for when you think you need it. Instead of saturating every part of your life, it's compartmentalized for when you think you need it. I call it, for many years now, pocket Jesus. It's as if you expect that since the Word of God is divine, that it's going to replace your discipline. It will not. And here, listen, I am not saying that you just need to add more Bible to your routine. I'm saying that you need to change your routine. I don't want you to wear yourself out. I want you to wise yourself up. Work on the soil of your soul. Don't do all the things you want to do. Make yourself a living sacrifice. Replace some of that time in the world with time in the Word. That's what's going to work. Something you really want to do and you watch this show every day at 5 o'clock or whatever, read the Bible instead. And that doesn't mean I'm 24-hour reading the Bible. No, no, you are hearing it wrong. Make your life a living sacrifice. What do you enjoy so much that it has a, a potential to get in the center of your heart? Sacrifice it. And talk to somebody about Jesus. Listen to the Bible. Come to church. Talk with your friends about Jesus. Whatever it may be. Instead of sacrificing Jesus on the altar of your pleasure and your care and your desire, rather sacrifice yourself and those desires on the altar for Jesus. Let me say it this way. Children can understand this. Everyone can understand and should not miss what I'm going to say. You are filling your life with something. You will either be full of the word or full of the world. You cannot be both. And if you instantly do math and say, this just means I've got to come to church more, pray more, do all that, you are missing the point. You are still in control, and you're just setting the table as you want to instead of letting God do his work. Do you hear me? Let me say it again slowly. You are filling your life with something. You will either be full of the world or full of the word. Full of the word or full of the world. You cannot be both. Jesus said it. You can't serve money. He calls it mammon. The name of a demon. And serve me. Because you're going to hate me and love one or love one and hate the other. You'll be double-minded. You're saying, but you know, I've got to have money. We talked about that, didn't we? We're not bashing things. We're bashing what you do with things and how things control you. Control your things. Don't let your things control you. You've heard that. Now, finally, what are we going to do about it? What's, what's the good part? In verse 15, Jesus tells us about a fourth group. In verse 8, he says, Some of the seed fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Now, the parallel passages in Matthew 13, and we read a couple of verses from Mark 4, they mention yields of 30, 60, and a hundredfold. And by the way, just as an aside, to focus on that and say, well, see, this means this, and the Greek says this and that, and that, that's to miss the point. <laughs> you don't need to chase prepositions down. You need to hear what God is saying because this should be available to all people as they read it, not just me. The point is that they grew. Not, well, you're just a 30%, you're just a 60%. Forget that. 
comparing yourself again, you're having a problem. They were fruitful, and there was an abundance of fruit. That's the point. Jesus says that these are they who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, we read verse 12, 13, and 14. Three different groups did three different things. These are the exact opposite, and I will show you. Again, these are those who, hearing the word, like everybody else, but they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus is describing people who take the word of God as precious and powerful. They trust and treasure it. They know this word is God's word. It came from God, and so they intend to make the most of God's will for their lives. The boss is talking. The boss is the one that pays the bills. The boss is the one that makes sure I have a job. The boss is the one that makes sure... You get it. So when the boss speaks, right, these people do all those things that those other groups don't. Those three groups had three different problems, and here Jesus says this fourth group does three different things with the Word of God so as not to be like those other groups. Not to say, I'm not going to be like you, but God has been doing something. The Word is doing something in their lives. Is it doing this in your life? First, they hold it fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. Right? They hold it fast so the devil can't steal it. They keep it close. They're tenacious. They don't want to lose this word. If I bought you a bus ticket and Monday I dropped off that bus ticket to you, you won't lose that bus ticket, right? They hold it fast so the devil can't steal it. Then they do it with an honest and good heart. They're sincere, and they really mean it, and they're continuing to do it, so it roots down into their lives. And they bear fruit with patience, knowing that the biblical life is a process, and they can't afford to let the world crowd out the Word. It's the exact opposite of what the other groups did. And so the exact opposite happens. They hear, they believe, they endure, and they bear abundant lasting fruit. That is to say, they continue to hear, they continue to believe, they continue to endure, and they continue to bear abundant fruit. Jesus said it this way in John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, you continue in my word. You dwell tenaciously. You hold fast to my word. You are truly my disciples, and you will know, experience the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. amen. The truth will set you free can, can be something we shout amen to, but if you are experiencing right now, and you've been going through something, and the word came to you, and it delivered you, you will, you will say it with more gusto, right? You say, the truth will set you free. We're baptizing a young lady here today. Isn't that weird? Someone in their late 30s, sorry, and that I can now say, you know, this young lady? Yikes, Marty, yikes. But she's going to be going down the water and knowing, you know, I've been set free. I want to just 
display this to the world. We're doing it outside. The cars will drive by and go, what is going on with these crazy people? Woo! That's what's going on. If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know. You will experience the truth. And that truth that you know because you continued, because you're my disciple, it will continue to set you free. Been having all kinds of emotional issues, me personally. Feeling rejected, feeling distant, feeling misunderstood. And I know what I've needed, and I know what has come, and it's God's Word. And I get the privilege of that as a pastor, but you also get the privilege of that as just a believer. There's no such thing as just a believer. You're a child of God, and he wants to light you on fire even when you don't feel like you're on fire. Oh, hallelujah. The majesty of the mundane. Oh, yes. Learn it that way, and it won't matter. You won't need a feeling. You'll have faith. I like feelings, baby. Don't worry. Let me ask you some questions, and let's say some prayers. Has God made you good soil? That's really what's going on here. Has God made you good soil? But how do you diagnose that? Has God made you tenacious, deep, and patient? Two out of three ain't bad. Sometimes, right? Have you found yourself growing in this or shrinking in this? So this is how you can pray. Think about Jesus' own words. That God would take his word and help you hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That he would take his word and help you hold it fast in an honest and good heart and and to bear fruit with patience. We should all be praying this for one another, even now. God, give us mercy and grace so that we can say like the Apostle Paul did in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Hear these words. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. All sorts of people hear the word and still don't get the word. And now you know why. Do you get what Jesus is saying? Heavenly Father, I want to get it. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to just have all these great feelings just to have the feelings and then they go through a time of testing and I cling to other things that I used to cling to or new things, new sins, new temptations that may seem like they're so great and I'm still loving Jesus, hallelujah, and then they just wither away and our faith with it. No, Lord. Like the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we are not like those who shrink back, but who rather press forward and inherit the promises. Father, help us to 
know our down payment, our inheritance in the Lord, and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that faith to the fore and light us on fire and help us to bear fruit in season and out of season, no matter what else is going on. This is our prayer for one another, that you would help us to hold this word fast with an honest and good heart, that we would bear abundant fruit with patience. In Jesus' name, amen.